What's up, folks? Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And before you finish listening to this episode, do me a favor, hit pause, go out and click the subscribe button on whatever platform it is that you listen on. Leave a review if you've got another second and share this with some friends who you think might enjoy it as well. It's the best way that you can support it. And I totally appreciate it. This episode is brought to you by Action. I'm not going to do an ad for Action today because quite honestly, we talk about it for like the last 15 or 20 minutes of the podcast episode. My guest is an athlete that we sponsor. Um, she's actually a partner in the business and somebody that we're really excited about getting more and more involved with. So I'll spare you with all of that and you can stay tuned through the whole episode and you know get some really cool information about Action and why she enjoys working with us and some of the benefits that she's gotten from the products. Just do me a favor, make sure you go to drinkaction.com. That's action spelled with a K. And if you use code word curious or you know what, better yet, use code word Mary, A-B-J-J, and you'll get a discount. Sign up for a subscription. You'll save an additional 20% off on top of that. But my guest is a female. We needed a female on the show. It's been way too long. And I've gotten to know her through the 10th Planet Austin community. She's a blue belt under Curtis Hembroff, but on a professional level, she's an occupational therapist. And we spent the first 20 or 30 minutes of the show really talking about that kind of unexpectedly, but I appreciate that she was willing to share what she does off camera. You know, a lot of people, and she has a huge reach by the way, on social media and it's growing. I've talked to people all over the country who know who she is and follow her. She's got great content. Um, but she doesn't share a lot about what she does on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I appreciate that she shared it on the show. We talked about that. We talked about her journey into jujitsu, how she found herself into 10th planet and where that's taken her life and some of the benefit that she's gotten. And we talked about some strange stories about people who follow her on social media, the requests that she gets. And yeah, you're going to want to listen to that. So really fun episode, super appreciative that she made the time for me. Give it up for my guest, Mary Barron. What's going on? Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was hoping you'd have a friend with you. Oh, I have several friends in here with me. I had a feeling. Here's one. See, without showing too much of my messy room, there's another one. Oh boy. And the big girl's down on the on her bed on the floor over there. Puts a whole new meaning to dogfight dojo. Oh yeah. And this is one of the least amounts that we've had. Really? There's a fourth one in the living room who I'm taking care of. And um I did have five of my own at one point because this one and her brother fucked and uh they had puppies. Well, Joe Dart action accidentally. Uh-oh. Just nature. <laughs> and um, I'd rehouse those right after I moved in this place in January. But then she went into heat. I put a little chassis belt on her. She's not fixed yet. And um, they got out. And I'm pretty sure she's pregnant again. We'll probably have a couple more puppies in 30 days. So So like a real chastity belt? Um, it's a diaper. Oh, God. Okay. No lock and key. But we got her out of it. This is cowboy. <laughs> What's up, cowboy? Hey. Yeah, he's he's a little the little Joe Dart action, is what I say. But I'm from Kentucky, so I guess it's to be expected with the dogs. 
Okay. When did you move down to Texas? Um, I moved to Texas about five years ago. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Um, right. Five years ago. I've been doing jujitsu three years. Yeah. That's about right. Cause I came down here for grad school and I did grad school for about five or two years. And then, um, yeah, I doing jujitsu three, but that's why I came down was for grad school. At UT? No, at University of St. Augustine. Um, it's a little like private sister college, um, like University of St. Augustine's in Florida, but they have a sister campus here just for occupational therapy, which is what I went for and physical therapy. Awesome. No, that's awesome. I, I want to dive into that a little bit. I should back up and just say thank you, by the way, for coming on. It's, uh, there's. I was looking back at like, I do these like year in review or probably even more often than every year, but just try to like reflect on some of the guests that I've had on and like show a little collage of clips and things. And I'm like, there's so many guys and like no females whatsoever. Yeah, you need six on here for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I need to. And you still kind of fit into that mold of, I mean, I just have to be honest of like what I like to talk about. And I don't <laughs> tend to have a lot in common with most females. So it just kind of happens to be that way, but you know into that guy mold huh yeah well not quite you just you're interesting you know it's i've i've had jamie on we talked about all of her experience dealing with children that was like one of the most i would say positively recepted episodes that i've had just the things that we touched on so it's well, for it's, jamie first of all is a phenomenal person so anybody listening who has listened to that podcast she is very interesting she's well spoken mm -hmm. she knows what she's talking about she has a very interesting job you know, and she does jujitsu. Definitely go check that podcast out. She did. I heard some of that. She did great. Yeah. She's awesome. So all this makes more sense now. I mean, I guess I, I just didn't look into it enough to know you had a back, like got a graduate degree, got this whole day gig because you, you're doing so well with everything that I think most people see you on from a social media perspective. And we get lost mm -hmm. that that's like, all people live, right? It's like, oh, that must be all she is or all she does. Uh, <laughs> but I've had a lot of people ask me if I have a job. Um, I'm like, oh yeah, I have a real, real job. But most of the time I can't share like on Instagram because of HIPAA violations. Yeah. You know, privacy laws. Um, I'm actually trying to find a little way around that. You know, some of the companies I work for allow you know, the patients sign off or the, the caregiver sign off on allowing their images to be used on social media. I just want to make sure for me personally, since I'm not a business that I can do that without losing my license, because I would love to share more of what I do for work because I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I, I do work with adults with special needs and I work with geriatric patients. So neurotypical, which is the politically correct way to say normal person, right? Neurotypical. I work with old people usually, and then in their homes. And then I work with adults with special needs of all ages. And, but especially with that population, I would love to bring a lot more awareness because a lot of people just don't know how to treat them, how to handle them, what they are capable of. And it's different, it's different person to person diagnosis to diagnosis, but um, it's one of the biggest joys of my life. And so I would love to be able to share that more um, if nothing more for educational purposes, you know? Yeah. What drew you to that person, to that occupation? Well, originally, um, I had another career. I was, have you ever heard of pure bar? It's B-A-R-R-E. Yeah. Yeah. Brand. Like bar class. Yeah. So yeah. it's a franchise. It's one of the original, um, bar franchises. It used to be like a licensing company out in California. 
it's beyond the point. Um, but it's a high end, mainly geared towards women, but great, great for everybody. Um, workout class. So you're paying like a ridiculous amount of month for just these classes. Okay. Um, and I was doing that. I was, I got involved with that in college, um, kind of looking at it from a business aspect. And then I, because I got in on the ground level with one of the franchises, I was able to go help open a different, uh, one of the other locations. And then my old boss called me and wanted me to move back to this port in Alabama and open this one. So I used to be a manager and then a franchisee as well. And, um, while I was doing that job where I love, I love fitness and I, I loved working with the clientele and I love being a master teacher trainer because the way it's run, it's kind of similar to a jujitsu gym. You have classes, you have instructors, you sell retail. Does that make sense? Like yeah, yeah, it's a very similar business model, in my opinion. Um, you run into a lot of similar issues, uh, other than the fact it's not really as co-ed as jujitsu is. Um, but I, I really did not enjoy managing people. I don't really enjoy, um, having to make all the business decisions. I don't like being called if the business is burning down or somebody's sick, or I, I I don't want to be on call 24 seven. Right. But I still like being my own boss. Um, and so I'm sorry, you hear the babies back there. Okay. I have little cat collars on them because they're so small, so I can hear them. Anyway, so um, I was doing that job and I had a friend who she would like call me and she's like, hey, let's go walk the dogs in the middle of the day, which I had freedom to do that because it kind of like a jujitsu studio. We don't have classes all day. I mean, morning, night, we're free in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what does this girl do where she can have kind of a time frame like me? Yeah, she works. I knew she made good money. And originally she was just told me she was a physical therapist. Um, and then when I dove in more, she's like, actually, I'm an occupational therapist. She just doesn't like to explain it because it, it's different. Um, so what originally drew me to it was her lifestyle. Okay. She made her own schedule. She made good money. Um, she had time to spend with her dog. She told me how, like, you know, she goes in, gets her job done and it's done. Right. So it, originally it was kind of like the lifestyle that drew me. And then as I learned more about it, um, I love the human body. I love anatomy. I love physiology. I love how ever pathology, how all of it works. Um, I also really love old people and not that being an occupational therapist means that you work with old people, but in certain settings, you do so more than others. So in home health, which is what I'm in. And so as I learned more about the job, I was like, okay, so I get to be in patient care. Um, I get to work with practical applications. I really, I, I love practicality. If there's practical applications to things, it really makes my brain tick. Um, and, it, and I can be my own boss without being the boss, if that makes sense. So like currently I've never met my bosses. I've never met my coworkers. Um, I get patients sent to me on the app. I decide if I want to take it or not. If I have it on my schedule, my first come first serve, I take it and I go. And then all of my FaceTime is not spent with my boss, not spent with coworkers. It's spent with my patients and I get to know them and develop relationships with them and really work on their goals for becoming more independent in their life. Um, so if somebody doesn't know what occupational therapy is, it is, can look similar to physical therapy. We definitely do some physical therapy aspects with it, but it's anything, an occupation means any activity that brings value to your life. And usually that's things that will keep you independent, like dressing, bathing, food, feeding, toileting, um, being able to have the strength and the balance and the energy to take your dog out. It's a, it's, it's a very vast thing. Okay. 
Um, again, different settings specialize you in different areas, but in my particular setting, when, when people come home from the hospital, okay, let's say grandma had a hip replacement or grandpa had a stroke and he comes home and now he's having issues with left side of his body, his left side neglect because something happened in the brain. He did, now he doesn't know how to put his pants on correctly, or he neglects the left side of his plate of food. And so he's only ever eating half of his meals because he doesn't notice the other half is there. It's not that he can't see, it's just not making a connection right? Or his left arm is limp now and he can't pick up his grandkids. I mean, there's a myriad of things and I'm going to help fix that. He may never turn back to the way he was, but I'm either going to help him relearn and rebuild strength and rebuild muscle and sensory connections to that part of the body. Sometimes that's possible. Sometimes, all right, you never get that arm back. So I'm going to reteach you different ways of compensating um, to be able to still get dressed on your own. So you don't have to rely on your kids so you can shower by yourself and your daughter's not, you, you know, like yeah. things that people don't think about that, you know, with your tie to animals and love for animals, is there an aspect where like service animals can be involved at the occupational therapy level? Oh yeah. So, um, all three of my dogs go to work with me every day, awesome. which that was another thing that drew me to it. It was when I was reading about it, I saw where dogs could go. And at the time I just had glory, which, um, if anybody follows me, um, on Instagram, they see glory. She's my big brown dog. Um, she looks like a lab. She's a chest peak, I believe. Okay, buddy, you want to come in? And, um, she's sleeping back there. Um, and I was like, Oh hell yeah. She has an amazing demeanor for this. You can do animal assisted therapy, um, to where the animal is actually part of the intervention that you're doing. So let's say I'm trying to get a child with autism to, um, to learn how to follow direct, like a two-step directions. Cause maybe they can only follow two steps. They can't follow three because of the way their brain's processing, or they have an issue with textures. So maybe to help desensitize their nerves to certain textures, maybe one of those textures, like the touch of a dog, sure. I'll help them use my dog and she'll, you know, she, she or he will brush the dog to help with that intervention. Does that make sense? Yeah. There, yeah. There's so many examples I could give. Um, currently I use her when I'm walking with one of my patients, we really work on like his balance, um, his community safety, learning like not to cross the street by himself. Um, he's got special needs and I use my dog glory and he holds a leash. And sometimes I have glory pull ahead a little bit to challenge his balance. Um, and sometimes I'm simply just using her so that he'll participate in the activity. Because a lot of these kids can be stubborn or adults, but they can be stubborn. They don't want to do something or they're scared. But if they have a connection to the animal, they may connect with the animal before they connect with another human and they're more likely to partake. And so like these little, these little munchkins right here, they don't have too much of a job other than they make the patients happy. Right. Mm -hmm. So this isn't so much animal assisted therapy as they come more as like emotional support. So I could get on my soapbox on all the different ways of talking about it. Um, but yeah, they all have their own little purpose to play. No, it's so cool. And it's interesting. You know, I see the tie back to jujitsu when you talk mm -hmm. about all the different variables and ways that you can work with somebody and that you really have a lot of flexibility in how to approach it based on your experience and, you know, the tools that you have available to yourself. It's very much like jujitsu, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to leverage my creativity to try to solve this problem. And maybe I can solve it directly, or maybe I need to find a workaround to get to that same end game. But yeah, that's, that's really, yeah, cool. that's, 
that's a great example. And just like the jujitsu too, I think it's very necessary, like, you know, to be an occupational therapy, you have to go to school and you have to go to grad school, right? Uh, I don't think grad school is necessary or school is necessary for a lot of jobs, but this job, it absolutely is. I think most in the medical field, you know, but just like jujitsu, you need to have your basis, your understanding of the concepts, right? You go into jujitsu without any understanding of the concepts, you know, like for instance, you don't really ever want to be flat on your back in jujitsu, very rarely, right? I would think of maybe one instance and one sweep where it helps you go straight back, but that, you know, when you're on top, you want to spread out your base. You want to be heavy. You want to, these key concepts in jujitsu are going to help you then be able to successfully be creative, right? Uh, like you can be creative, but then have actual successful outcome, not just be creative. And somebody comes in and squashes your idea, right? Yeah. I think it translates very much so into my job. Same thing. If you don't have an understanding of the basis of occupational therapy um, and a trained out for it, then as you are being creative in the interventions for your patients, you're not going to get the correct outcomes because anybody can look at what I do and maybe be like, Oh, I can do that. But do you know why you're doing it? What outcome are you looking for? You're, 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 you know? you're putting things out to collect feedback, which you know how to interpret and analyze so that you can then make further assessments and decisions on how to treat them. So, yes. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. No, sure. It's, it's gotta be so rewarding too, to be able to make an impact on people's lives who, I mean, in the worst case, I would imagine are marginalized probably in a lot of cases because they lack these skills or abilities. But even if not, even if, you know, they do have people, you know, providing them support, there's just a level of like confidence that, I mean, as a functional person, or I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to use the wrong terms, but like I get up every day, I have my aches and pains, but I mean, for the most part, I'm pretty pathetic for complaining about anything because I can get up and do anything that I really want to. You can wipe your own ass, right? Yeah. All right. Well, if you couldn't, Ugh. yeah, dignity, does that kind of take away from somebody? Um, if you had to rely on, do you have, I mean, do you have kids? I do. I have two little ones. All right. One day they're, they're growing up and you're older. Do you really want to rely on them to help baby you? I mean, you know, so, some families are, you know, it's fine and it's fine really as long as people are comfortable with it. But you know, I worked with a man whose daughter was taking care of him and he was like, I don't want my daughter bathing me. She's yeah. a grown ass woman. You know, like I don't want her to have to do that. You know, um, dignity is a big part of this job. In my opinion is giving people their dignity back. And that's, that is defined differently for different people. Some people are totally okay relying on their loved ones for these things. And that's, that's up to them. this patient centered care. Right. Um, yeah, I could go on and on um, forever about that kind of stuff. And you, you said, you know, something about like this job, it, it, it brings me a lot of satisfaction. Um, don't get me wrong. There's some days it's mundane. And a lot of days I have imposter syndrome because they don't really teach you a lot about the special needs population in school. So I'm learning as I go. It's trial and error. There are some days I'm doing stuff and I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to pay this much to do something. I feel like I could teach somebody else to do in five minutes. You know, like, and I have to talk to myself. I'm like, okay, well, I'm pushing myself to push them towards different goals. Am I staying creative? Um, I have to have that talk with myself a lot. But then I have a day like yesterday where I had a patient who I go in, he has a um, blood clotting disorder, which when he's off his medicines will cause him to have a stroke. Very dangerous. He's in his 50s, had two strokes. He's thin, like, he might be your size. I mean, he's, 
he's not overweight. He's not super out of shape or anything. Like he doesn't look out of shape at all. Um, but okay. So he's got this real dangerous blood clotting disorder. And, but I went in there and what this man needed. Okay. I'm going to try to say this very concisely is things that aren't always in my job description. So for instance, he told me he cannot afford to get refills of his medication. Okay. There's one problem. If he can't get his medications, then he probably going to die. Like straight up, this man's going to die. Two, he's living in a place that's not handicap accessible. And he's now in a wheelchair, sometimes we get with a walker and we need to get him into his shower. Well, it's a tub shower. So we have a tub transfer bench. It's a bench that goes inside and then over the ledge to the outside. So you can sit, swing your feet in. He's paralyzed almost half of his body. Okay. We can't even get his walker in there with the tub transfer bench because the door swings inward to his bathroom. Okay. Not enough space in the bathroom. Another problem. Um, he needs a grab bar by his bed to help him sit up because he doesn't have strength on one half of his body. It's very difficult for him to get up on his own and into his chair. So it's not my job to buy him or get him a grab bar. It's my job to teach him how to use one. It's not my job to make the space in his bathroom bigger. It's not my job at all to deal with his medications, but because I'm there, because I have the opportunity with this person who's in need, and because I, I know enough, I'm like, okay, well, let's, we can fucking do this, right? So this lady comes in, he works in that building. I said, hey, who do we need to call to get this door removed? You know, sir, do you want this door removed? It's just you living in this room, can remove the door to your bathroom? Yes, within 30 minutes, I needed the help of this lady. Okay, so it's not all on me, but 30 minutes, this lady has somebody come, their doors removed. Great, he can get in his bathroom. Now we can teach him how to shower on his own because he wants to, you could tell, he don't want me helping him. So I'm going to teach him how to get in and out of the bathtub using this tool. Same thing. Okay. We ordered him a grab bar right there. I had the case manager come in. Okay. We need to consolidate his medications. What is the program that you all have that can help him um, get these medications for free? Right. But because of my experience in my job and working with other patients who have had this problem and I spend time talking to them and learning about them and seeing what they do to fix these problems, I knew there's programs like that. Mm-hmm. So my point is my favorite part of my job is the part that isn't actually in my job description. And it's kind of the advocating for them outside of the OT limits. Am I making sense? A thousand percent. And it's, to me, it's why you enjoy your job so much. And it's not just a job. Like you're, you're truly fixated on creating the best outcomes for the people that you're working with. And that's, that's bigger than a job. You know what I mean? That's a, that's, I don't don't know what you would call that. really is what I feel like. And I hope this doesn't sound like I'm patting myself on the back at all. I feel like so lucky to have found a job that I'm passionate about. It's going to make me cry. Like, you know, not everybody's cut out for different jobs. Like my dad's a big finance dude. Okay. Well, if we didn't have people like my dad who wrote checks for people for donations and et cetera. Right. Then you need the people on the ground doing the stuff with the money for the donation. We need people all down the line. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm just happy. I found like, I think my segment in the line. And I tell my friends who also went to school with me, some of them have gotten in this job and like, you know what, this isn't for me. I said, Don't feel bad about that. If this isn't for you, you got another spot in that line. And it's good to know if patient care isn't for you, get out. Because if you can't handle having to wipe somebody's ass sometimes or help them up off the floor or these other things that aren't very dignified, they're going to feel bad and they're going to know. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't, I tell my, like, don't, don't put shame on yourself. It's just not for you. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think we all do have that special passion, or at least I would hope so. You know, I don't think most of us ever find it and it's a shame 
and it's probably because of a whole bunch of different reasons, but no, it definitely yeah, makes sense. I feel so lucky, you know, and people try to say, I've had a couple of people like, oh, you're saying, I'm like, I, I don't really like it when people say that because it almost, almost makes me feel bad about talking about my job because it makes me feel like I'm fishing for compliments, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, I'm not, like, I just got so lucky that, sorry, my low battery mode, come on. Um, I just got so lucky that I don't have to go out and look for opportunities to help people, which I, I think anybody would say when they help somebody, it you get a lot in return. You know, yeah. I don't have to go out and look for it. It's I'm like cheating because it's my job. I get paid for doing it. I'm not a saint. I get paid for it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's I'm excited about it, but <laughs> it makes sense. It's probably why you always have a smile on your face. I do get. I mean, although there's a correlation with jujitsu and the creativity, and I I totally see it and I totally get it. It is interesting that like you've got this strong compassion side, and then your competing in what I mean, I think it's certainly growing from a female perspective, but what has been traditionally a male dominated sport. And mm-hmm. you've dove headfirst right into that. You're successful at it. And you're making like a big name. I, I mean, I think I messaged you. I was on a podcast with um, a cage side show in Philadelphia and mm-hmm. I brought your name up and he's like, Oh, well, Mary's been on the podcast. It's like everywhere I look, I, I go and I train at a Gracie gym here in Pittsburgh called Stout Academy. And mm-hmm. um, people are like, hey, um, Mary, Mary AB from Instagram, like we saw her repping some stuff with action. Like, you know, her. it's it's crazy the reach that you've been able to create. And I'd be curious, like this girl from ten- or Kentucky that moves to Texas for grad school. How do you wind up at a jujitsu gym and nonetheless, like 10th planet? Um, so just a small backstory to, to me is like, I grew up with four brothers. Okay. So kind of rough and tumble, right. Um, my whole life, very much tomboy. And then I was in sports competitively since age seven. All right. All the way through college. I went to, I was on scholarship, athletic scholarship to be a pole vaulter at Samford university. And I ran track there, played volleyball in high school, ran track, played a year of basketball, like I've been sports my whole life, right? So the aggressiveness, the competitiveness is, if you know my background is not like a shock. Um, but the way I got into this is I also in high school tried to join the wrestling team. And my dad's a very conservative evangelical man and was like, oh, you have to wear a singlet and wrestle boys. Absolutely not. And like shut that down really fast. Really unfortunate because I'd be a lot better at jujitsu, I think, if I had that wrestling background. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. But um, so okay, so then fast forward and I'm in grad school. And when I first moved out here, I was dating a boy from Kentucky who went to Nice Guys Gym. You know who Bobby Emmons is? I don't. Bobby Emmons, he comp- competes often at a higher level. Um, he's been doing a lot, a little bit more of some of the combat jujitsu last couple of years, but anyway, he had a gym in my hometown in Kentucky and then moved it over to Evansville, Indiana. And I, I met a boy who was training there, um, while we were in Kentucky, he never like invited me to come train or anything. And I never really said, yeah, let me come. I don't know. It just never clicked for me to go. Um, and then when he, when I first moved out here, first couple of months, I was still seeing him. So he came to visit me. It's like, hey, come try this out. And I was like, no, I'm studying for anatomy. I cannot go. He, and he guilted me into going. 
And I'm so glad he did. Like, so I went actually started jujitsu three years ago, hardcore, but I went to my first class like five years ago and just took one class. I loved it is when 10th planet was still in on it in a tiny room. It was before it was really successful. Um, it was a tiny, tiny room and I loved it, but I just didn't have time during grad school to go back. So fast forward two years, I graduated and I was like, all right, I'm going back to jujitsu. And I wasn't, hadn't been seeing that boy again for, you know, he went back to Kentucky, hadn't seen him for years. I was like, I fucking want to do this. And, um, I, instead of looking for a job for three months, I just trained jujitsu. Like I went and Priscilla, the owner's wife, um, no gi Pris for a lot of y'all who probably follow her on Instagram. She took me under her wing. So I'd go to lunch class and then she'd keep me there for like two or three hours and just train me in the warmups. And we would just take videos and we took videos. She said, she was like, look, video yourself because you won't put anything on the internet that isn't good, which is going to force you to get reps. A great idea. I was like, all right. And so at this time, maybe I had like a thousand followers, maybe um, just my friends, like normal Instagram page. And so I just start posting what I'm doing and that, like, that was it. Um, but she had a larger following at the time. And so like in like within a couple of days of her posting me in her videos, I probably gained like 6,000 followers. Um, Cause she, I fit right into her demographic. Right. Um, or like, her demographic was looking for us. Does that make sense? There's definitely a lane of like attractive girls getting into masculine dominated activities. Right. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. just, that's definitely a thing. And you guys, you both fit that mold. Right. And you, you're not just like posers with it though. And I think that's the, that's the thing. Like I can tell it's authentic. I didn't realize the Kentucky background and the four brothers, but like it's, this, you know, 15, 20 minutes of talking with you, it's all starting to come together a little bit. And it's, it's why it resonates. Like people just, they don't buy fake bullshit and they, they buy into authentic stuff. Right. And you're very yeah. authentic. So. Thank you. I, that is, um, that's very important to me. Uh, authenticity. Um, don't get me wrong. Everybody's been fake. I've been fake before. Sometimes I've been fake and didn't even know it, you know? Um, <laughs> until I think back later, I'm like, the fuck was that Mary? You know? <laughs> But I'm pretty unfil unfiltered, um, no pun intended on that. Like in general, I uh, talk before I speak, speak before I think sometimes. But I mean, there's an authentic authenticity that comes with that, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that comes through and I hope it comes through for people. Um, but yeah, so I got in there with with Priscilla and I just stayed with it. You know, I just kept training and I kept taking videos and a lot of it. So I could refer back and remember what I was learning because it's very overwhelming. It reminded me of grad school. I remember sitting in grad school because school in general, usually it wasn't very difficult for me until grad school. Like it just school, it was just something that came natural to me, especially in college because I was studying something I wanted to, mm. you know, I was a extra science major in college. So, it, you know, the body, I love the body, how it works. And but grad school was a fucking bitch. I can say that on here, can't I? Oh, you, okay. I've, had, I've had Zach on this podcast before. Okay, okay, then I'm totally fine. <laughs> um, dude, grad school was a fucking bitch. And I remember sitting there and just being like, all right, I'm gonna take it all in, take it all in, take it on. And, you know, right after the test was over, it's like my brain dumped out and I couldn't remember anything. It'd be so frustrating. I spent all these hours studying. Mm -hmm. And I remember finally at one point being like, Mary, you know, you're never going to remember all this, but what you will remember is when somebody talks about 
COX-2 inhibitors in the pathology pathway, blah, blah, blah. You're going to remember that you know something about it. You're going to be able to Google it. And you're going to be able to read a little summary and be like, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Same thing with jujitsu. When I first started jujitsu, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I can't remember all this. Like, I used to get really mad at myself. Like, only weak people don't remember. It was very hard on myself about it. And then it just dawned on me, this is like crap school. You're going to get a pass at this thing that Curtis taught you. And maybe next week you see it again. And then maybe in two months you see it again. And probably after the seventh time seeing it, you're going to absorb it. And every time you see it, you're going to absorb it better and better and better. And that's something I tell new people, like give yourself a little grace. Don't worry about stressing about remembering all of it. Even if you don't remember it now, that's one pass closer to that seventh pass. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. What, what is the saying that they say? Like a black belt is a white belt that never gave up. And- yeah. I mean, it's kind of a cliche little saying, but I think there is a lot of truth to that because there is so much nuance and so many options and pathways of success. And if you go often, you know, you'll keep that consistency. You'll learn a lot of things. And as long as you don't get hurt, which I think is probably the biggest inhibitor to anybody getting to that final, you know, uh, destination, it's, you know, it really is. There's people that, I'm sure you see it. It may take them a little bit longer, but they get there because they see all those options more and more often. And it just starts to become second nature. Yeah, for sure. And um, that's what helps me feel like every class isn't time wasted. Even if it it didn't click for me, it's like, it's going to click a little bit more next time and next time. And then when I do actually look back on videos, there's plenty of videos I've taken. I've never seen I've never looked at again, especially now because I'm building content, right? So I'm doing videos all the time, but you know, there's times I don't look at, but when I do take the time to look back and be like, oh yeah, yeah, what was that? Boom. But you know, it's just, it's great material. I mean, I've, I've come across your videos and been like, oh, that's really slick and like saved it. And brought it back up when I'm at class, like after class during an open mat and been like, okay, let me see if this would work for me because she made it look super easy, but that is the power of social media. And I mean, you can see it, right? I, there's no reason that martial arts and jujitsu have exploded the way they have. And when you look at the skill level of people, I mean, obviously popularity drives that, but I think the dissemination of content and the ability for people to see what somebody else is doing on the other side of the world and all these different video tutorials. And I mean, it's, it's really exciting and incredible when you really see like what's going on and when you kind of like getting a little bit more involved and immersed, it's uh, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It's, I don't know where the ends, where it's going to be. Like it's seems like it's kind of just starting. Yeah. It's um it's, it's exciting to be part of it, you know? Especially in Austin. I mean, you're like right in the heart of what is like Mecca for jujitsu anymore. I know it's, um, it's crazy. Cause you know, when I started jujitsu, we weren't the Mecca, but through COVID and post COVID it's become that, you know, slowly little by little more and more people are moving here and, um, important people in the jujitsu world and which just attracts other important people, which attracts other people just dying to learn, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's cool. To, it's cool to be here during this time, yeah. you know, a hundred percent. Um, shit, I was totally just lost my train of thought. I don't know where the hell I was going with, um, well, I can talk jujitsu forever. I know. Right. 
I saw you competed recently, but uh-huh. that wasn't, was that like an in-house tournament? It, no, it was at, I mean, it was in the house, right? But it was World Series BJJ, which is one of my favorite promotions. Um, that guy is efficient. It's a fast competition and uh, he, he pays out, right? So I competed, I'm a blue belt and I competed in the purples. One, because there just weren't blue belts um, and there was a thousand dollar pool for the purple belts. And so it was like a hundred pounds to 130. So there was like a girl about my size and then a girl heavier than us, but I got injured, uh, uh, partially tore my LCL, you know, backside 50, 50 is. Okay. So kind of like a backside 50, 50 entry where you, you know, their legs between your legs and your figure four, but if you sit up and you grab their hips and you thrust your hips forward, you can calf crank them or calf slice them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was doing. Um, and she actually reached down for my legs to knee bar it, my left leg. Just, it wasn't too much of a threat though, just because of the position of it um, made me move a little bit, right? Then I go sit up and as natural as anybody would, when you start to feel that calf crank, I mean, you want to get out. And she kind of sprawled out. And when you do that, it puts a, you'd have to see the video, but my legs are in a figure four. She sprawls out and it popped. It popped my foot that was trapped not the one that she's going on a knee bar for. Um, do you know what lockdown is? You ever seen somebody bust out of a lockdown and it fucks somebody's knee or, or you got a triangle on somebody and they bop, like posture up really hard. I can really fuck your knee that's bent. Like the one that's um, the foot strapped under your other leg. Yep. And it's a similar concept or sneaky kamikaze. And so it's just a precarious submission to do because if the person escapes in that way, and what's kind of a little fucked up, I, I was going back and thinking about is, you know, when you do that in practice, people know not to bust out. They'll either take the tap or they'll go slow because they're not trying to fuck you. Well, your, your, my brain at least was like, wasn't thinking about how precarious this position was because in practice, people aren't going to bust out. If they do, they're a dick. <laughs> but, um, it, but in real, you know, in real life competition, people are bust out. You know, so the, anyway, this girl did nothing wrong. She, I know she felt so bad because she was like, I'm trying to beat me, not injure me. But I was like, it's okay. It's, I mean, it's jujitsu. I'm going to cry about getting injured during competition. Like, I don't need to be in the sport, you know, but it, it does suck um, a lot. But um, I don't need surgery and ACL was not involved, thank goodness. And I've been doing physical therapy. I've only missed three days of therapy, like do my... I go to physical therapy like once or twice a week, but then I do my, all my exercises. Well, I missed three days over the last three weeks. It's like one day off a week, basically. You've leveraged like ways to well and other types of like what I guess maybe other people would call untraditional therapies, but probably the best types of therapies that you could get in combination okay. with like traditional physical therapy. Have oh, you yeah. done any of that since? your injury and kind of what have your experiences been? I've been trying to get Brigham on uh, the show. We've been like missing each other as far as his schedule, but I'm hopeful that I can get him on here because I really want to talk to him just about all of the applications. I mean, everything from, you know, stem cell therapy to try to help injuries like what you're going through, but also, you know, some of the things that he's been able to help Gordon with from a gut perspective too. It's like, yeah. I, it's, it's crazy. You think about how much probably manifests there, but yeah, he seems like a really interesting person. I knew you had personal experience with that. 
Brigham Percival is the bomb. And so anybody listening, if you're able to connect with him and get him on your podcast, it will definitely be a podcast worth listening to. You know, he's got connections with a lot of people. He's a down to earth guy. He wants to help. Um, my experience with him is so before my LCL injury, I had an MCL injury, um, partial tear as well. It was a little less serious than the LCL. And this was back in August and Brigham reached out. He got me stem cells. Um, so I had stem cell injections in my MCL, which is amazing, amazing. And then they immediately got me on BPC-157 peptides. Um, I don't want to butcher all the research on it, um, but essentially it's a peptide that's going to usually expedite healing and it decreases inflammation throughout the body. It's one people use for their gut as well. They use it for systemic inflammation, um, but definitely worth the research. Um, there's plenty of podcasts on it. Um, it's an amazing thing. People see me inject it and are like, oh, are you on steroids? I'm like, absolutely not, no. But because um, I inject in my ass all the time on my Instagram, I'm like, hey, <laughs> this is what we're doing, you know? It's good marketing. But um, but yeah, they got me hooked up with that. And I am still doing BPC-157. So what was great for this injury is I was already injecting it before I got injured. So I am further along in my progress. I, I believe that I expected that first week. That first week, I was like, God damn it, I'm gonna have to have surgery maybe. I fucking like, I wake up and I'd be hobbling like, like the first hour of the day, you know, um, I just, do you hear that dog whining? I'm gonna let her in real quick. Is that cool? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. This is the dog I'm dog sitting. Oh, this is Ivy. Hello. Little. <laughs> Um, so BPC 157 was where I was at. And then ways to, well, also, um, this wasn't for my injury, but this is for some chronic fatigue. Unfortunately, I've struggled with, they did, um, like a full panel of like 80 different biomarkers in my blood to find out like where I'm lacking, um, in different supplementations and, um, what's going on with my hormones. And they were able to explain a full blood panel, and uh, put me on supplements um, and you made dietary, some mild dietary recommendations to help um, with, with a lot of things going on with like my blood sugar. Um, and that's been super helpful along with um, some diet changes I've made recently. And um, yeah, it's just, I really, really enjoy it as well. That's awesome. I just had, do you know who Mike Dolce is? Uh-uh. He's a, uh... He's, I think he's like four-time MMA coach of the year. He's really more specifically focused on nutrition and diet. He was uh, Ronda Rousey's weight loss coach or weight cutting coach during her time in the UFC. He's worked with a lot of people successfully. Um, he's very outspoken, always great to have on here and talk with, but we were talking and he was really focused on like the cellular health. And he was like, you know, people forget about the importance of cellular health and that we're like, we're not muscle. Like that's so far down the line. Like before we're muscle, we're a combination of cells and those cells have to be like taken care of the most optimal way possible through nutrition, through supplementation, through recovery. Like if those cells break down, you're never going to get the most optimal anything else that's made up of cells. If that kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh 
definitely a process and to change our mindset about those type of things. Like I hear the research and I see the benefits and, but every now and again, my brain wants to go back to like, no, 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 no. That stuff is just too much. I just want to go back to like uh-huh. acting like I don't know about it and eat the way I want to eat because it can, it can, it takes discipline. Yeah. You know, I mean, currently I'm not eating my favorite peanut butter and jellies. It's very, very hard. <laughs> I, I go through phases where I eat toasted peanut butter and jellies like three times a day. I don't know if you've seen that on my Instagram, but some uh, followers, which, okay. You, know, you have followers and then you have like fans, right? I was going to ask so, you about this. <laughs> what's your question? No, I just go, go ahead. Go with where, where you're going, because I'm sure you, you're probably going to get to where I'm going, but. So I don't know if you know, um, I always butcher Brandon's last name, but you know, BMAC, Brandon McCatherine. Yeah. So he's always told me like, um, you, you only need a thousand true fans to build a business. Okay. Make money from, from follower base. Right. And so, you know, I've noticed the difference between followers and fans. My fans are the ones who watch my stories, respond to my inside, inside jokes, who answer or who fight back for me with haters post on my Instagram who answer questions people have at why I had my feet in photos. They answer the questions for me. They, and this is the response they give. And I love it because it's exactly right. No, often people will say, why is she covering her feet? Like people new to the page. And I have a couple of followers. I'll say, because she's a capitalist and nothing's for free. <laughs> Cause that's, that's how I always respond. I am a capitalist, baby. Ain't nothing for free. You know, I'm not just passing out free fit, feet pics. And so, and so they get these ongoing jokes. Well, one of them since like early on has been, um, people are like, how do you, how did you get that ass? I'm like, peanut butter and jelly, baby. You got to feed the booty and I, peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and jelly. And so I even went to uh, we had a seminar at 10th planet and, uh, one guy showed up with peanut butter and jelly made for me that his coach had sent along with him who follows me. He's like one of my fans, but like, give this to Mary, you know? And, um, so then I, I got people all the time who respond back to me in different stories being like, have you had your peanut butter and jelly today? And, you know, it's just, I don't know how I got on peanut butter and jelly. Oh, I, I can't eat that now because of this thing I'm following to help with my fatigue levels. But you need to do yeah, a peanut butter and jelly rash guard. I have, I've thought about it some a peanut butter and jelly time with hashtag Corona booty. Cause that's another part of the joke, but, um, and then I'm definitely going to have a t-shirt about it being two o'clock somewhere. Have you heard that joke? I haven't. No. Okay. So you said I can say anything on here, right? Oh, feel free. Yeah. So, um, I was put up a story once that was supposed to just go to my best friend and I'm in my car in between work and I'm bitching to my best friend about how it's two o'clock and I hadn't had my siesta sex and snacks. Okay. And I was like, it's two o'clock. I had no siesta, no sex, no snacks. Cause we have this joke, well, not this joke, but it's like, that's, that's for me, the time of the day that I want to fuck. I want to have sex. And I, I mean, I want to fuck, I want to eat snacks and I want to take a nap two o'clock between two and four. You know what I mean? And so I'm bitching to her about this. And I send it out to my entire story unknowingly, which is like, fine. I'm pretty open. I don't know it until people start. And I've done this several times about some things that aren't embarrassing. And then some things that are embarrassing. I have often texted the wrong person. I, I'm, I'm 
known for fucking up things that I'm sending out. And so um, amongst my friends. And so this goes out the whole story. I start getting a response back. People are laughing. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to take it down. Let's just roll with it. So this has been going on for over a year. And so every now and again, I'll post like a picture of a clock that just said, has like two o'clock on it, you know, or hashtag. It's two it just never knew what was going on. Exactly. Or hashtag two o'clock somewhere. And I just put up um, a, a post where it was like, hey, I don't know who needs to see this. And this was like a written post. I don't know who needs to see this, but maybe somebody else who's also injured and feeling disconnected from the team, this too shall pass. Because yesterday I had a hard day mentally about my injury. It's the first day I've had in like three weeks where I was like, fuck, this really sucks. Because I've, I've been very like, you know, um, like I'm fucking gonna get better. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's make content about recovery. Let's make a, this into a silver lining. But yesterday I got really uh, down about it because um, I miss rolling. I miss choking people, right? So I was putting that out as an encouragement, and then the next thing said, you know, get do your PT every day, um, eat good food, um, get your sleep. Next thing, inject BPC one fifty seven. Next thing. And have sex. It's a great stress relief. Next thing, I wouldn't know because I'm basically a virgin. You know, it's hashtag it's two o'clock somewhere. Because I'll like bitch about how like when I'm not when I don't have a boyfriend, um, I'm sitting around just being upset all the time at two o'clock because I'm not having sex. You know, so it's like this. I make this thing that could be very crude, um, especially for a girl in a male-dominated sport with a male-dominated following. And I'm, I just put humor to it and then I get a big response and I don't know how we got there. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's kind of, it leads me to the perfect thing because I would, I mean, I would hope most people are pretty cool about it. Right. I mean, to your point, there's, I would imagine your follower base is primarily guys or at least highly. I mean, have you looked at your insights and what that split is? It's 90% men. Yeah. Right. So like, I would hope that most are respectful to like to the most they possibly can be, but I would have to imagine that there are some very strange individuals that st- kind of stumble across your page and uh, really dive headfirst as hard as they possibly can into your DMs. Absolutely. And- <laughs> Absolutely. And they let me know where they're trying to really dive headfirst into. They are very blunt. Oh, very blunt uh been offered money to kick people in the balls i've been asked for money to take my sweaty socks off in front of the camera and rub, rub my feet together um i've been offered money for my socks i've been it's a, actually a lot more feet requests than anything else That's you so know like, crazy. Like you would think okay like we're all not stupid here like I would, I would have guessed before I ever, I, I, in the past, if I knew I was going to have some of the falling out now, I've been like, oh, people are just going to always ask for ass pics. Always, always. Feet pics. Feet pics. That is the number one request. Do you think it's, the, do you think it's that the person that's willing to actually reach out to you on social media to think that they could get something from you is the type of person that in that moment would ask for feet pics as opposed to anything else? Because it's like, no normal guy is going to think that like requesting something like that via Instagram is the best way to go about it. It's like, okay, like uh, figure out a different way to try to get Mary's attention. So that like, if you really are that, you know, and I'm trying to give anybody ideas, but to, to send a note, I would have to think like there's a correlation for the request and just the fact that they're willing to ask for anything. Okay. I disagree. I see your point though. 
Um, internet is full of freaks. We all know this. Now, let me ask you something. Are you in defeat? I'm not. Okay. So under any circumstance, if you're in some hot girl, are you going to want to see a picture of her feet? I'm not, um, vol not voluntarily. No. These people legit have fetishes. Like foot fetish community is huge. It's huge. And I've learned that through jujitsu. It's huge. And they actually love feet, right? These people legit want to see my feet. They're not just getting my attention. There's a lot of things said to me just to get my attention. A lot of things, but the foot fetish people, they're very serious. And if they're listening, they'll comment and they'll let you know. They're very serious people. Have you ever heard of the homunculus of the brain? I've, I've heard that term, but I have no idea what it is. Let me enlighten you here. Okay. So the homunculus of the brain this is, is this is good. I was hoping that we actually have a conversation like this. Cause this is, this is the best type. This is great. <laughs> so the homunculus of the brain is the mapping of the brain. So if you were to Google homunculus image of the brain, what normally people see is a brain and they cut the brain in half into the two hemispheres and the sulcus yes. that runs down the middle of the brain, they'll, cartoon hey, hold on ivy 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 quit wine and baby don't you know i'm on a podcast and um so there's going to be a picture of a guy with his feet dangling down the middle of the sulcus and laying backwards over the hemisphere of the brain and and where his feet are represent that portion of the brain um controls sensation and movement of the feet then where his hands are where his face is where where all those parts are laying on the brain is representative of like this, like this portion of the brain is going to be the face. This portion of the brain is going to be the hands because he's laying back like this. Okay. Everything is almost in order as you would picture that, except the genitals are down by the feet. And the brain is not just this one section, section off this one section. There's neuroplasticity of the brain, meaning there are, and sorry if I'm explaining something you already know, but for the listeners, they don't know, neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain to adapt. And that is relative to the amount of connections between cells. It's not how many brain cells you have, it's how many connections between cells. And things like dancing, like jujitsu, like memorizing a different language, that helps different connections of different neurons across the brain, okay? So thus, if you have damage to a portion of your brain, the the higher the higher your neuroplasticity the higher neuro connections yeah. you have across the board of your brain the more likely there's going to be a different area that can take over that portion of the brain does that make sense okay the point of all that is your feet and your genitals are right next to each other so it makes total sense the wires get crossed i said all of that just to tell you that no, so these, I, that's really interesting so to me i'm like well that's a very practical reason to have a foot fetish it's biological okay likely of course, then you watch Mind Hunters and they say foot fetish people who love foot fetish, you know, might be psychopaths. Ivy, you got something to say, girl? What do you think, Ivy? She's like, I love feet. I lick Mary's feet all the time. <laughs> you just made a lot of guys jealous, Ivy. <clears throat> oh, I've, I've put cowboy on my story licking my feet and I always feel like the this is the DMs, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, so as long as you're not into kids or kids' feet, I don't care if you're into feet. Is the way I see it. So these people, like, they're very aggressive and they want what they want, but, it's, you know, teach their own. A really good way to pay your mortgage. And I mean, if these people are that intense, I mean, Jesus, I, 
I'd keep putting those blurry images up and I would be opening up an OnlyFans for feet people. Okay, so I have a friend who's actually going to do that. Um, And she will definitely be able to pay her rent. I have definitely thought about it. There's a couple of reasons I haven't, which are kind of serious, not as fun reasons. But in my early 20s, I had two stalkers at separate times. This is like before, you know, Instagram or anything. It was a very scary part of my life. So um, I have been very hesitant because I was always afraid that it could potentially lead to somebody trying to stalk me, you know, to eat my toenails or something or like snort cocaine out from underneath my toenails. I'm not going to try to scare you any further, but I literally read an article today. You can go and Google this, but this Uh teenage TikTok girl who had like a million followers on TikTok had this stalker who would ask for selfies. And then after she's like, her parents and her decided that they would be willing to sell a selfie picture of her face to this guy, because that was already what was being shared on the TikTok page. And then he started requesting like inappropriate stuff. And oh shit, we just lost Mary. Um, Fuck. Well, I'll keep this story going and then maybe we'll reconnect with her or I'll link up with her for part two later on. But essentially where this is going is this dude became super, super obsessed with this young girl and actually started to connect with friends of hers from her hometown, got personal information and ended up showing up at her house with a shotgun, shooting through the bedroom door after he broke into her house. And the father ended up shooting and killing this guy. So, I mean... Again, maybe it's a good thing that Mary dropped and I'm not telling her this directly after she said that, but fucking crazy story and definitely worth uh, Googling if you're interested in crazy shit like that. But awesome conversation to this point. Um, I don't know. I'll have to reconnect with her. I think her phone. Oh, there she is. She's back. What's up? You're fine. How much of that did you catch? Okay. They were going to sell the picture of her face. Okay. Yeah. So they decided to sell it. They were like, this, this is already what's on the TikTok page. So we'll sell him this. And he started to then ask for more inappropriate type photos. And the parents were getting sketched out. Then this guy would reach out to people that she had gone to school with and was like requesting more information and eventually he shows up at her house in the middle of the night breaks into the home and shoots a hole through her bedroom door with a shotgun and the father comes out of the bedroom and confronts this guy and he runs off and then he comes back and engages with the dad again on the property and the father shot and killed this guy but i'm like i'm reading this today and i was like blown away and it it did for a second make me think like on a serious note there are some weirdos out there that i'm sure you deal with and it's like some things i'm sure you probably read and you like probably laugh out loud you're like what the hell is wrong with people and you can you know although it's weird and creepy you can laugh it off but to your point i mean i'm sorry to hear that you've had that personal experience but there are very scary and dangerous people that can oh yeah you know, take advantage of shit like that and people say, well, why don't you just block these people? Well, look, they can create any account. My account's open, right? I can make it private, but it's a lot harder to grow that way. And for me to have sponsors and get my stuff out there and to get paid, like it needs to be open. So there is a risk we have to take, right? 
And so I have people that go to my requested messages, right? I have, a, I have over 99 requested messages in my DMs at all times. Um, most girls on my team do. Um, and I flag some of these people. Now, Instagram will automatically delete some after like 30 days or something. Some of them I screenshot because you can open those messages without them ever seeing that you read it because they're in your requested messages and you can accept or deny like their request to message you, but you can still see it. Um, and there's one person who has messaged me several, several times. He constantly, but I have dealt with people with schizophrenia. He has schizophrenia and he is definitely stalking this other girl who's online. And I found her and I said, look, I have to show you all these things. This man is sending to me. He has no idea that I'm actually reading them. And it's all about you. It's about your sister. It's he's got obsession with babies with cleft lips. Like it's, and she was like, Oh, I have an open case on him, you know? And he sends me Pornhub links, like sometimes 10 times a day. Like it's, overwhelming and talking about a lot of spiritual things and which happens a lot with um, schizophrenia. There's a lot of, um, a lot of God talk, uh, some crazy God talk is very, very common with people with schizophrenia. And it's, it's a scary thing. And I, I know he is, and I don't block him so that I know where he is and what he's doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, obviously I don't know where he is, but if he were to start having one-sided conversations, like, Hey girl, I can't wait to see you later. I can't wait to see you wearing this. Can't wait. To... This is what happened to me last time is somebody was messaging me like that on text message, telling me what I was wearing. That's how I knew it was serious. It wasn't just like a friend fucking with me, you know, and tell me they were going to see me later on, tell me all this. And I look for that. And I have like an album in my phone that is labeled potential stalkers. And that way, if anything ever happens to me, here's Jesus. a list of suspects. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I, I, it's like, I expected to have an answer and then it's like, you get that and it's, it's a harsh reality. And it's a shame because I, I bet you there's some people that probably push back on you and are like, oh, well then don't put it out there. Right. But it's, mm that I, I have a hard time with that. And there's just a lot, I, I guess maybe it's easy for most people who aren't weirdos to look at that and just think like, you should be able to exist and not feel like you can't act a certain way or portray a certain way and have right, that like, mental. like it shouldn't, so I can't, that's not an excuse for somebody to be a weirdo. Right. It's exactly like, and th think about it in normal circumstances. How many times growing up in your life has a girl smiled at you and your boy, a like, girl smiled at you and you're like, maybe she likes me. I feel like boys are like that simple yeah. sometimes, right? Like, Oh, Oh, maybe she, she interested me. She smiled at me. Oh, I'm sure I've, I've got, got it good wrong way more times than I've ever gotten it right. But I've never yeah. like taken it to the level of because she smiled at me, I'm going to go throw rocks at her window and like obsessively call her because even if she's telling me that she doesn't like me, I know she does because she looked at me. Exactly. And I have had many guy friends, okay, where they tell me about their encounters with women. And sometimes I have to say just because she smiled at you or just because she talked to you does not mean she's interested. Like she might just be nice. And how do you tell that to a friend? Right. But it's like, Hey, 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 let's take a step back here. And sometimes she's head over heels for you, you know, but I am very outgoing. I would like to think I'm friendly and I'm welcoming. And I have many platonic male friendships, 
Um, I don't necessarily know as in comparison to other women, but I do have a lot. And most of those guys are maintain a platonic friendship with me because they got past the point of thinking this girl wants to be with me. Right. And then they still stuck around because they saw me as a person and not just a a fuck toy. Right. Not just, Oh, I can't fuck this bitch. Okay. Well, I'm out. You know, which happens that you have the self-awareness that you realize there's just an innate thing with a lot of guys who maybe on the first, even if it is like, Hey, I think she's cool. And I want to be your friend that there might be some of them who maybe hope that there's that chance. And then when they do realize it, but like, that's, I feel like you, and you know, tell me I'm crazy, but it seems like you have an understanding of that and can be like, okay, I get it. Like, move on now. Like, let's go. Yeah. Okay. So it is not, in my opinion, at all wrong to be attracted to somebody um, at all. Like, gosh, I'm attracted to a lot of people. Um, It's, are you going to act on it and make it the only thing? right? Especially in a friendship, like there's plenty of friends. I have very attractive people, but I choose not to act on that. One, I'm not going to be presumptuous and think they want that back. Right. Like I think a lot of people think like that. A lot of guys I know, Oh, oh well, so I don't act on it. It was like, what you think this girl wants it too? Like, how do you know that like, you don't anyway, it takes two to tango. Right. And so, um, where was I going with this was, it's natural for people to be attracted to each other. In fact, I'm glad people, you know, there's some people out there that are attracted to me. It makes you feel good. Right. But it doesn't have to be the center of everything. So don't fault people for being attracted to you or for you being attracted to them. The fault is when there's a boundary set and people keep trying to cross it, or they don't just have clear communications. Like, you know, you ever heard of the four agreements? Like, don't think things personally, don't make assumptions, speak, it's speak truth or something like that. Speak with truth and do everything to the best of your ability. I'm, I'm kind of butchering it, but it's along those lines and the whole, don't take things personally and don't make assumptions. Gosh, how applicable they're all applicable, but those two to this situation, like I've made shit ton of assumptions. Okay. I've read into a thousand things. I've taken things personally too. So I'm preaching to myself, but when it comes, I don't know how we got here, but when it comes to these types of things, like communicate, you know, if you want to have friendships with the opposite sex, you have to have clear communication, mm-hmm. you know, um, how do we get there? No, I, no idea. No idea. I do want to, I want to talk a little bit about action because I mean, that's, I'm something I'm excited and proud about being a partner in yeah. the business and having you on board. Um, and because you mentioned earlier about ways to well, and your interest in really exploring all these different things. And I think obviously, if you don't know, Action, based in Texas, started off specialty roast coffee. We still do that. But we expanded into natural supplements. And our goal right from the beginning, and Joe, who's my partner in that business, is a former Onnit employee, was how can we create products that are natural as far as, you know, not some sort of artificial chemical or compound, but things that are derived from the earth that can generate a natural benefit and isn't always going to be like a magic pill where you can take something Mm -hmm. and, you know, take away your pain, for example, but with regular use will leave you in a better place to live a more active and healthy, sustainable lifestyle. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I was watching what you were doing for a number of reasons and I saw you know, the ways to well thing really hit me. And I was like, I think there's a conversation to be had. And 
I think after the first dialogue, we both realized like, okay, the brand in itself and what we stand for is a good fit. We just had to kind of figure out how that all worked, but you know, maybe if you can just speak, I, I would even love to hear, cause I don't think we've had this conversation as to like why action makes sense to you when I'm sure just like a creepy foot pick request, you get a lot of brand sponsorships requests because you're blowing up. You have a huge following. And like you said, you have, you have followers, but you do have fans. And I've mm-hmm. noticed it from the moment you've leaned into the brand that we're just, we're getting a lot more interest in people who aren't just clicking like on a picture because they think it's cool, but they have an yeah. interest in what's going on uh, at a deeper level. Yeah. Um, well, one of the, you know, I found out about y'all through 10th planet, right? I started seeing people at 10th planet. Uh, I think he's very smart. You all have rash cards to promote the brand, by the way, in this thing. Um, but I started seeing that, uh, you know, talking to Zach more, talking to him more, but also Zach more, but, um, uh, knowing that Curtis was interested when you all, and those y'all who are listening, those are people who are, um, in the 10th planet, um, uh, business. Curtis is the owner and I, I trust his business sense a lot. I, I, um, when I see 10th planet kind of connecting with a brand, it's something I want to look into because our values often align. Right. Um, when I looked into y'all's product more and saw that it was legit, you know, clean stuff, y'all are doing the research behind what you're putting into it. Um, that's also another thing that clicks for me, right? There's so many supplement brands out there. So many, right. Um, so many, uh, little snack brands, right. Um, gosh, I've had so many different people reach out to try different things, but there's so much stuff in their products that I would not want to push and promote to other people. Okay. I don't like all the fillers. I don't like all the added sugar. I don't like all this. When then I tried y'all stuff. Okay. Like I love, um, the like fuel on the go MCT bombs. Okay. Love that. It is uh, by far my favorite like pre-workout snack. I'm not just saying this on here, y'all. I really like it. It's on the go. You can take it. Just I just drink it down. Does anybody put it in a like? Do yeah. you put it in a drink? I I don't personally. I do what you do. <clears throat> it's like as I'm walking into class, I'm usually tearing it open and sucking it down. But I know people mm-hmm. put it into their coffee or smoothies, and just yeah. kind of add it as like a functional, as opposed to like throwing co- like butter or other type of like mm-hmm. emulsified creamer or anything. I love the taste of it. Like sometimes I have to keep myself from taking like two or three at a time, you know, and I am not somebody I've said this in my post before, but like, I am not somebody that can work out hungry. Like a lot of people wait to eat till after, like I have to, if I'm hungry, I have to eat. Like my blood sugar drops so fast. I've passed out before and y'all I eat all the time. I know I don't look like I do, but I have a very high metabolism. I eat a shit ton. And so with MCT bombs, you got, um, correct my verbiage from saying it wrong, but multi-chain triglycerides, right? Um, so these, how to explain it? And like layman term, these like fat cells, almost this fat chain, right? it's slower to break down. So you have more longer sustained energy, right? Nailed it. And I've, I've known that from when I was running track growing up, like this is a great snack for that sustained energy, but there's a little bit of that sweetness in there to where you're going to also get kind of like 
that kickstart energy too. It's not like crash and burn at all. Um, but you don't have to wait 20 minutes to like, feel like, okay, I have something in my stomach. And because of its kind of liquidy form, um, the digestion is so easy. You don't have all this blood rushing to your stomach. That's going to make you feel nauseous when you're rolling, mm -hmm. you know, because like I said, I have to eat before, but I've ate Chick-fil-A before 10 round Tuesdays and then had to sit out five rounds because I'm throwing up. You know, yep. so um, finding that happy medium, I was like, this legit is the best snack, <laughs> you know, and then I will also sometimes eat it after I, that's why I always need more bags because I'm always, <laughs> always eating it. Um, so then, so actually legitimately liking the product, right? And then the broad spectrum, um, like turmeric and hemp supplement, um, the fact that you all have the black pepper in there. So any of y'all listening who are familiar with turmeric, um, it's great for anti-inflammatory. Okay. That's one of the biggest things it's known for. Um, you can Google a lot of its other, um, uh, benefits, but one of the things it takes to really, um, I hope I'm saying this right, activate it in your system or help it be absorbed is right. going to be that black pepper. And if you look at a lot of, um, turmeric supplements that I've taken out there or curcumin supplements, they don't have the black pepper component in there. I think now maybe it's catching on and some other people are understanding, but you, why am I taking, why am I taking supplements if I can't absorb them? Yeah. A lot of people notice their peel be like really bright orange. And that was the one component that, and I'm to your point, I'm lucky. I mean, I'm not the biology or science type person. I have good partners that understand this stuff. And like when we come up with an idea of, Hey, I'm tired of taking eight ibuprofen every day because my knees or my elbow are sore. I want something that's healthier that I can take daily that, you know, is going to help me reduce inflammation and, and not fuck your liver. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's such a great thing, but that was the number one component for me. It's like, I'm not going to take 800 milligrams of something that's going to cost me $30 a bottle for a month's supply. If half of it's going to go down the toilet, literally. So yeah. that black pepper extract, it does it. It's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's specifically called bioprene is like the formulation mm -hmm. that yeah. we use, but it's, it helps with absorption exponentially. And I've not had anybody ever say, Hey, you know, like we're, it looks like I'm losing a lot of this through my, you know, excretion, so to speak. Right. Right. And so, you know, you said you're not necessarily like, um, the science person. Uh, I like to geek out on this stuff now, not that I am an expert, um, but I will do my research on it. Um, usually, or if somebody who I, uh, respect has given me the information, I'll ask them where they got it. And then I, you know, I feel comfortable with it. Right. Um, I love knowing how that stuff works. And I knew that already about multi-chain triglycerides. So when y'all sent me that, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. You know? Um, so I hope, I mean, I hope that answers the question for you. I mean, you all, I, I love, um, what action stands for and like taking action in your life. Like, I know that sounds just so simple, but I was thinking, I, I made some content today or yesterday, um, it's kind of the mindset I've taken with my recovery. I, I made it about my physical therapy. I'm going to break down a little bit more of, um, the things I'm doing for recovery specifically with the physical therapy and the different supplements taking. Um, but it's the mindset I'm having during this recovery is like, I've had one day of feeling, I'm using depressed loosely, but one day of feeling down, I'm like, no, all right, I'm injured. And literally that day I started taking action, making a plan, um, of like, how can I make this recovery process good? Okay. I'm going to make content about the recovery. That is valuable content. People need to know that there are other people out there who are injured, who are feeling down. How can I help them feel not alone? And we push forward in this. Okay. How can I make this the fastest recovery possible? All right. I'm also going to be super consistent on taking my supplements and really be able to say, 
look how much this has helped. You know, like all of these things, I'm not kidding. Within the hour I got hurt, I was like, all right. It's kind of like the same mindset I had when COVID happened. COVID happened. As soon as I found out we were getting locked down, I pulled out a dry erase board, dry erase board, got with my roommate. I was like, here are all the goals that we're going to do while we're in lockdown. Let's go. And that's when you, is that when you launched Dogfight Dojo? Yes. Yes. And which um, for y'all listening, Dogfight Dojo is um, my jujitsu gear brand. They're basically rash guard spats for men and women um, and shorts and stuff. But yeah. And so to me, what you all stood for is what I was doing and what I was trying to like put into words, right? Which one word, like action, take action, you know, in your life and don't just sit down and watch it pass you by. And y'all don't get me wrong. I fight with that all the time. There are so many areas of my life I'm sitting back and letting pass me by because I'm afraid to fail or I'm afraid to start. I, I can list at least five areas right now where I'm really struggling. And then I've got these areas where I'm like, the wheels are turning. And once I get turning, I, I can go. Right. Funny so how I'm, you I'm, have these moments, sorry to cut you off, but like you have welcome. these moments where it's like, I can, I, even in this moment can tell you the same thing. Like there's things that are keeping me from doing something. And I know it, like, I know that that's, if I just do it, it's just like working out. It's just like getting up and running. It's yeah. like, it will be perfectly fine. And I'll be enjoying this thing that as I'm sitting here right now, I don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And look, one little piece of encouragement for anybody listening, this is something that helped me. Again, I don't mean to sound like cheesy when I keep saying take action. Um, but like help me take action areas of my life is, so I, I see a therapist um, who specializes in the combination of ADHD with OCD which is what I'm diagnosed with and, um, super helpful, like brilliant man, very practical. Like I said, I love practical things, but he was, he always tells me about all these different research studies. Cause I respect that. And he was like, research has shown if you just schedule 10 minutes to start on whatever the project is that you were like, you keep pushing off, give yourself 10 minutes. That's it. You will likely get those wheels turning and you'll, that 10 minutes will turn into an hour, two hours and you'll get that project going. And so that's kind of been my focus the last two weeks um, with a couple of projects I have going on is 10 minutes, give yourself fucking 10 minutes, get off your goddamn phone, stop watching game of Thrones. You've already seen it all the way through twice. Okay. Like just fucking do it, you know? And, um, all that ties back around to why, um, action, like resi- resignated with me that, the quality of the products and then their products I actually needed, you know, in my cabinet needed to take, wanted to take, um, instead of like, what was I eating? Gosh, there was a snack I was eating. I'm a big chip person. Okay. Like eating chips right before I roll. Okay. I start feeling sluggish afterwards. I start feeling a little sick sometimes like I love chips, you know, well, now I got this MCT ball doing much better versus that. And then um, with the, you know, the broad spectrum, um, turmeric and hip, like you said, like not having to take as much of that ibuprofen throughout the day, you know, which I really try to stay away from it. Cause I already know I put things in my body that are a little hard on my liver. So this is a much better option, you know, a lot of things that are hard on my liver, but just sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not a bad thing every once in a while. So <laughs> yeah, this has been great. But- 
I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. That's it's good to hear it. I'm glad. I would say you are the epitome of of what the brand stands for, you know. And it's uh, it's been really great to work with you, and we're excited for some things. I'll I'll share briefly before we jump uh, mm-hmm. some new products that we're in the process of developing. I've got a big meeting on Tuesday, um, and I'll just I'll share it. Who gives a shit? Um, potentially some raw proteins. So. Um, things that don't have fillers and artificial sweeteners, uh, both from a vegan perspective and, and whether it's because you're vegan or you just process vegan proteins differently, whether it's pea or uh-huh. pumpkin, trying to just find natural products that are really just unadulterated. Um, I think that's a word. If not. Yeah, it's a word. Um, so, you know, add it into a smoothie or something as opposed to a highly processed, highly additive you know, based protein. So we'll see where it goes, but that is one of a couple of things. And I know we want to have a, a, and we're having some conversations here next week about other products and things that we want your perspective on, you know, as somebody that's active in this space, you know, we want to bring to market the things that not only myself, my partners, Joe, but you who are, you know, partner of the business. It's mm-hmm. important that we all kind of are giving our input into the things that we want, because more than likely, if you want it, somebody else wants it, right? For sure. Um, I do have, and maybe we talk about this off air, but um, an idea for like the raw protein, you know, like something I specifically would be looking for in that. So what, let's add it to the agenda for our call. Okay, great. It's, great. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to me ramble a little bit. Are you kidding me? This is the best part. <laughs> Honestly, I, I swear, like I go into these and I, sometimes we nail it. Like I've had some conversations with people where it's not very like conversational. They're, they're mm-hmm. not like looking to have dialogue, but they're interested to share some specific information and we go through the punch list and it's awesome. But every once in a while you get somebody who's just comfortable having conversation. And I swear that's what people tune in for. Like, yes, it's cool mm-hmm. to hear some of the you know, other data points, but just the stories, because we're all living these lives. And I think we forget what we relate with. Right. So mm-hmm. I appreciate it a lot. Well, if ever you want to do it again, I'm telling you, uh, there are so many, uh, there are so many interesting, fun, humorous stories, um, being a girl in a male dominated sport that I'm happy to continue to share. So we That's can definitely do it again. We will start off at the second, uh, version of Mary on the podcast with those stories, I promise. Maybe I'll read y'all some in my DMs. Oh, that would be that would be classic. Yes, we need to definitely, remind me. I'll cue some up for you. We need to plan for that, and we need to do it. So we're this. I think I said this is like episode eighty-seven, something uh-huh. like that. So before we hit a hundred, we will we'll get you back on. Hopefully, we have some new products to talk about, and we will. Uh, if you would be willing to share it, I would be more than willing to just flip the camera and just let you go through some of them because that would be just gold. Remind me and I'll save some specifically for you all. Cause I'm about to start my Patreon account. And, um, on one of the tiers I'm looking to do like, uh, like exclusive content where I'm like going through my DMS and doing like a funny, like dialogue read off of it. So, um, but I will happily save some for your podcast. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. Most definitely see it. Tell the, tell the puppies that we all said uh, goodbye as well too. I'll get one to say goodbye right here. (laughs) Bye. Yeah.